Evening church. <laughs> Today we're going to look at quite an obscure story that I read once upon a time as I was a kid. And, and then I revisited, like from years and years, as, as I grew up, I, I kept revisiting the story. And every time I revisited, God taught me something new and something different. So, so pretty much how the story is, is it, it's found in Numbers chapter 12. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 13. So if you have your Bibles with me, can you turn to that place? And because that's where my sermon will be based. Now pretty much, in a nutshell, this is what happens in the story. Miriam and Aaron, who were the brothers and sisters, the older brothers and sisters of Moses, pretty much bad mouth about Moses behind his back and the Lord heard it and struck Miriam with leprosy for she has slandered a servant of the Lord. So as a kid when I first read this story I trembled in fear and, and, and this story it made me have a healthy sense of leadership where for me as a kid I'm like oh man I better not talk about my pastor or else I get hit by a car or something like that. So I developed this healthy fear for leadership. But as I grew older, a story that I once feared became one of my favorite stories. Why? Because now I'm the leader. I'm like, man, I can use this passage to strike me in my <laughs> This story is, is, is up there with the other story where there was this prophet named Elisha where he was bolding. And then there was these kids that teased him, oh, you're bold, you're bold. And you know what God did? God sent out two bears and mauled the kids. You don't mess with God's leaders. You get me? Because <laughs> so I would use these stories to tell my flock, yeah, go ahead, talk bad about me, see what happens. You're bolding. <laughs> <laughs> As I revisit this story last year, mid-year, God taught me, hey, hey, Dexter, that, that wasn't what leadership should be like. And he taught me something new. This is what leadership should be like. And, and there's four points that, that I drew out of that. So, so the four leadership qualities that I found here was, it was a leader pursues humility. A, a, a leader is, is faithful. A leader is intimate with God. And a leader loves his people instead of, always praying, yeah, God, get him, get him, yeah, the vengeance of the Lord upon them. Like, instead of seeking out for blood out of their flock, no, no, he, he protects his flock. He loves his flock. And guess what? This week, as I read this story again on Monday, again, God taught me something new. And I felt this was the best thing that God has te- taught me yet. But I'm not going to tell you what that is because you'll find out later. But before we start the sermon, we pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you send your Holy Spirit to help us to understand this passage. Lord, it's, it's a new place today, but Lord, you are the still same God. And Lord, we just pray that we be attentive to your words. And Lord, may we learn something new tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, would you travel back with me 
in the time of the Exodus, where the people of God was once slave to Egypt, now were rescued out by the almighty hands of the Lord, and God ushered them. God split open the Red Sea and gave them safe passage on their journey. And not only that, God was so good to them that He accompanied them in His tabernacle through, through the, the cloud of of. Through the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. God was with them. God was so good to them. You know what? These people, they were stiff-necked and they kept complaining. And they complained a lot. Oh, where's the food? Oh, where's the water? And they kept complaining. Oh, we we should have just stayed in Egypt rather than to follow you out here, Moses, and die out here to perish in the desert. It's so much better back in Egypt. And they kept on complaining and complaining. But you know what God did? God was gracious and He gave these people what they needed. And here, somewhere along this journey, from there to to here, this is where our passage and our story takes place. Now, it wasn't just ordinary people complaining to Moses. No, no, these people were the leaders of the Israelite camps complaining about Moses. Here we have Aaron, the big brother of Moses, who was the high priest of the people. And we also have Aaron's older sister, Miriam, also Moses' older sister, who was the prophetess of the people. Now, so these people, they held very important statuses and ranking within the Israelite camps. And here we see a story where you get judged more harshly if you are a leader. So verse 1, it says this, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. So if you know your Bibles well, if you know your stories well, then the, the Exodus journey well, you know that Moses had a wife by the name of Zipporah. Now Zipporah was a Midianite. So this Cushite woman and Zipporah, they're different women. Now what happened? What scholars say and suggest is that by this time, Zipporah has passed away and Moses has remarried this Cushite woman. Now why did Aaron and Miriam have a problem with this? Now, some people would befriend Miriam and Aaron and say, Oh, didn't God say not to intermarry, not to interbreed, not to marry the people there? Well, that's true. But God only forbid that they don't marry the Canaanites. Cushite people, they're fine. And so, what Miriam was essentially saying is, I don't like her. I don't approve of this. I don't like this relationship. I don't know if you experienced this or not, but it's like one of those older protective sister to the brother. Um, I have this friend who, who, who she tells me that every girl that her younger brother dates is not good enough for him. That's how she feels. That's how she feels. And she was just so overprotective of this younger brother. Oh, she's not good enough. No, no, don't go for, don't go for her. Don't go for her. No, don't go for her. She's not good enough for you. But is it just out of protectiveness? No. No. Miriam is not saying this out of just overprotective protectiveness over out of the love for the younger brother. No, no. Look what she says in verse 2. Verse 2. Has the Lord only spoken to Moses? Hasn't God also spoken through us? Now, 
I say Miriam instigated this whole thing. And I'm not trying to be sexist here because of three things. First is that we know that Miriam is the only one that gets struck by leprosy. And we know that God is a fair God and a just God. Secondly is her name was mentioned first. Usually in the Bible, if your name gets mentioned first, you're the head of the pack. And thirdly, you don't see this in the English, but in the original Hebrew, the, the verb for spoken, it is feminine. So it suggests that it is Miriam that are saying these things. And so Miriam, what she's really saying is, she's not just saying, I don't like this relationship. No, I don't like Moses' leadership. Everything that he does, can't we do as well? And on a side note, this shows us the leadership of Aaron. Aaron, he's, he's done this before. When the people wanted to build a golden calf, all he did was say, okay. And he went along with it. And here, when they were talking behind Moses' back, what they didn't know was that who had his back. And the Bible says, and God heard it. God heard it. Moses didn't hear it. Moses had no clue. No clue what's going on, but God heard it. And God took this case. That's why, church, just another side note, be careful about what you gossip about. Be careful about, take gossip seriously. Because it is heard. It is heard from the Lord. So instead of spreading gossip, let us be a church that just spreads the gospel. Amen? And here God pretty much gives the reason why he defends Moses. And it says this in verse 6, Because Moses to him was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Church, do you strive for this? Do you strive to be humble? Do you strive for humility? Because it's funny, who wrote verse 3? Moses wrote the verse 3. And I can only imagine when, when Moses, when God was dictating to Moses what to write, and God says, write that down, and Moses will probably be like, you sure, Lord? You sure to have to write, Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth? Because the logic goes, if someone says they're humble, they're not really humble. <laughs> God, wouldn't people joke about me? And I can just imagine God says, Moses, just write it down. They'll find out why later on they shouldn't joke about you. And then verse 4, look how quickly these, these guys get caught. It says, at once, Lord, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, come out, all three of you. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like a bad day. This reminds me of my childhood when my dad would say, no, he'll come out. When, when he calls all four of the kids, we know that someone's going to get hurt real bad. And every time we line up in front of him, I'm just praying and hoping that it's not me and it's one of the other three. I don't even care if it's all three of them, as long as it's not me. And God pretty much comes down from the pillar of cloud and he tells Miriam and Aaron to step forward and he says this to them. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. With him I speak face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So in other words, what God is saying here, you see me and Moses, we have this special relationship. 
Yeah, the prophets are good, but the prophets only get dreams, vision. In other words, they only get bits and pieces, and they have to try to put the puzzle pieces together to make sense of that message. But that's not true of my servant Moses. With me, we speak face to face. So therefore, when I talk to him, he replies, and I respond. That's how close we are. And to him, he's the most humblest man on the face of the earth. And to me, he is the most faithful in all of my household. And you still dare to talk against my boy, Moses? It says, the anger of the Lord burned against them. And he left them. And then Miriam ends up with the leprosy. Crazy, right? So in one sense, yes, this passage does teach us that we need to, to have respect and reverence for our leaders, the leaders that God placed in front of us. And here, clearly, Aaron and Miriam doesn't have that. And look at the results. And so as Aaron turns and, and looks at his sister Miriam, Aaron straight away realizes that Miriam was covered in leprosy. Aaron picked this up straight away. Why? Because back in the ancient past, it was the priest's job to identify the leprosy. And Aaron, he wasn't just a normal priest, he was the high priest. So he knew straight away, yep, that's leprosy. And he turns to Moses and he says, Lord, and he pleads on her behalf. Don't, don't hold this sin against us. Don't hold this sin against her. Don't leave her like this. And then Aaron breaks out into this crazy metaphor. If you can just conjure it up, this is what he says. Leprosy is like a stillborn infant coming out of its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. Now that is crazy. That is a scary metaphor if you think about it. So in other words, what, what, what Aaron is saying, it's... A baby has already died before it was born. Now why, out of all the diseases that God could have picked from, out of all the myriads of sickness in the Old Testament, why did God pick leprosy to inflict Miriam with? Why? I'll tell you why. Because leprosy, the sickness in all of the Old Testament, it most closely resembles sin. It spiritually represents sin. Back then, leprosy was incurable. Once you have it, it is a death sentence. All you have to do is you just wait to die. That's, that's it. Leprosy, it might begin small. It might begin in secret. It might just be that little rash, that little dot that you felt itchy. It, it might look insignificant. But, but leprosy, it spreads rapidly. And before you know it's out of control and leprosy, it affects deeply to the very core of the human body. It cuts all the nerves and it makes you numb to feeling. It is so infectious that if a leper sneezed on you, you would catch leprosy. And therefore, leprosy will isolate you. It will separate you from your community. It becomes your identity and you will die alone. Now, isn't this like sin? It is incurable. It begins small in secret. It might be in significance, but before you know it, it's out of control. It affects you so deeply to the very core of your body, cutting senses where it sin, if you continue to sin, it will just numb you to sin. And what sin also does, it will numb you to even the good things. 
to joy and happiness. You won't even feel that. And doesn't this what sin does? Isn't it infectious? Doesn't it isolate you from those around you? Doesn't sin separate you from one another and ultimately cut you away from the almighty living God? And here Miriam is experiencing a physical metaphor of her sin. And the Bible says she turns as white as snow. And you know what Moses does? If it was me, if I was Moses, I would felt pretty good. All the blood. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> just be honest. If you were honest, imagine if someone who kept talking bad about you, kept trying to push your buttons, and something happened to them, wouldn't you laugh? Like if they were just dancing here and they suddenly fell down, wouldn't you laugh? I would laugh. <laughs> I used to be, as a leader, I would like, you know, wait for the vengeance of the Lord and I would wish things upon people. I don't wish them cancer or a car accident, I'm not that bad. But what I would wish against them is, is that, that hey, if they go to the toilet, there'd be no toilet paper. <laughs> and I think the worst I ever wish someone is that they drop their bubble tea. Oh, I am a savage. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> But here, look at what Moses says. He says, Oh God, please heal her. God, please heal her. Isn't this beautiful, church? For the many years in my ministry, yes, I, I, I was so concentrating on the punishment that God dishes out that I missed out on the grace that God gives, the grace in this passage. And God was, was teaching me four leadership traits that I could learn from Moses. Dexter, are you humble? Are you humble? You know that I oppose the proud and I uplift and give grace to the humble. Dexter, are you, are you being faithful? Are you being faithful? My mentor once said this to me. One of my mentors once said this. When, when he knew that I was going to become a pastor and he knew that ministry was going to be hard and it's going to be tough, he said this to me, and something that I will never forget. He says, Dexter, you are not called to be successful, but you are called, we are all called to be faithful. And I implemented this in, in, in the rest of my ministry because, man, it's, it's, it's tough being a church pastor. It's, it's hard trying to, to take care of, of everyone and, and broken hearts and, and everything that, that goes along with the title. But at the end of the day, no matter if, if you're a leader, what, whatever ministry that you were in, you're not called to be successful in the people's eyes. No, no, you're called to be faithful only for God's eyes. Are you faithful? And look, look at how and the third leadership quality that I, I saw with Moses is, look at how intimate that he was with God. Look, he, he, he met God face to face. Did they have conversation together? So if you're a leader at Oikos Church, how is your intimacy? How is your closeness with God? Do you spend time with Him in prayer and in His work? Now, intimacy, 
If you want to improve your humbleness, this intimacy is very key. Why? Because there is no way in the world, if you spend time and so much time and time again with the Lord God Almighty, there is no way that you can struggle around and walk around with your head out high and in pride. No, because you know how good God is. You know what He's done. And, and you won't be saying things like, man, look at how good I am. No, no, you, you'll be saying look how good God is. Are you intimate with God? And lastly, what you really told me is, Dexter, you love your people. Stop praying that bad things happen to them. Do you love them? Do you pray for them? Do you intercede for them? Do you forgive them? Four leadership qualities. Humility, faithfulness, intimacy, and love. Now I hope my Oikos leaders have those four qualities. And so the story ends with Moses saying, God, please heal her. God, please heal her. And you know what? God, who was so close to Moses, answers Moses and says, okay, I will heal her. And what happens is Miriam gets placed back into the community and the people went on their way. And that's, that's awesome. But again, as I revisited this story on Monday night, as I opened up my word through the late nights of the hours and as when I read this passage again, I burst out in tears. Why? Because for the first time in my life, God took away the attention away from me and my ministry and he put the spotlight on Jesus. Because Jesus is the better Moses. It says that Moses was humble. But the Bible also says that Jesus was the most humble, not just for in his time, but in the whole universe. The Bible says, He was equal to God, made himself nothing in the form of a servant, being in the form of a man. Moses was so humble, he was from a high, mighty place in the heavens, sitting on his throne, but yet he comes down in search for man. Even though he takes this man down in spite of their filthiness and their sinfulness, he still came down for them. The Bible says that Moses was faithful. But the Bible also speaks of the faithfulness of Jesus. It says that he was so obedient to the point of death, and yes, death on the cross. The passage here today talks about the intimacy, the closeness that Moses had with God. And did you know Jesus was so, so intimate with his Father? It was so close to you. So they enjoyed their time with each other. They adored each other. They, they found delight in each other. So much so that who knows the Father more than Jesus? No one. To the point where the Bible says that He and the Father are one. Do you see the special status that Moses had? And for when Miriam and Aaron even talked bad about this, this Moses, did you see the anger of the Lord burning against them? Now how much more so God's anger and wrath burn for Jesus? 
who was his only begotten son.